This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I'm so grateful you are here today. I hope you're having a really great summer. I don't know if you're sick of me yet this week, but we are pumping out the episodes. And today you're getting an episode here with Dakota Lindworm, who was the 2022 champion at Grandma's Marathon. She was also the 2021 champion as well. But she is having herself a year and huge PR at Grandma's, 225 at Grandma's, which was, I believe, a four-minute PR, big, big jump. Uh, She also ran Boston this spring, Boston last fall, and she's gearing up to run another marathon this fall, so she is loaded up with the uh, races. She has a really great story. She grew up a hockey player. Her mom convinced her to be a runner, and uh, she shares a little bit about her relationship with her mom, which is super special in this episode, as well as the race at Grandma's itself, what it meant to her, and where she sees this all going. I just loved talking to Dakota, and I know you're going to love hearing from her as well. She's such a positive, happy, and motivating human being, and someone to cheer for, someone to get excited about. This episode is supported by Relay Runco. My friend Ann Mazer is the founder of Relay Runco, and They have the cutest, most fun apparel. This is a small woman-owned business. And listen, the Rachel pocket shorts, you're not going to find a better spandex short to run in. And I'm, I'm telling you, I've tried them all. They do not move when you run. They don't move. That's all you need to know. Um, and they have them in really cute styles and colors. The color I have is a purple tie-dye. There's a blue tie-dye as well. I have a really cute matching sports bra that goes with it. And Anne donates 1% of her profits to Animal Rescue. And I just love everything she's doing. And actually, I recorded an episode with her that's going to come out soon to catch up on her life and hear about the company. If you want to check out these amazing shorts I told you about and all the other race kits she has, go to RelayRunCo.com. Use the code ANOTHER, and that'll get you 15% off your first order. All right, friends, leave us a rating and review. If you love this podcast, that would mean the world to me. We give away a pair of Gooder sunglasses every single month for new ratings and reviews, so go be a part of that. This podcast is part of the Sandy Boy Productions Podcast Network, and we have a brand new show called Ready to Run in the Network that I think you're going to love if you go check it out. Just go search Ready to Run podcast and any podcast app. You can also learn more on our website, sandyboyproductions.com. All right. Enjoy my conversation with Dakota. Well, today on the podcast, we have Dakota Lindworm on the show. Welcome to the show, Dakota. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be on. Congratulations on a stellar race at Grandma's. Yeah, thanks. That was uh, basically the best case scenario. Everything went right. And just probably feels so good to run a marathon in Minnesota. 
Yeah, I think um, that's the third time I've done grandma's. And I think every time I go back there, it's just going to be amazing because, you know, number one, travel is pretty easy. But number two, it just feels like that's my home field advantage up there. Um, I have just a whole crowd support and everybody in Duluth seems to know me. So it just it feels really special up there for me. Oh, I bet. Yeah. That hometown, like where people, everybody on the street knows your name has to be so exciting. Yeah, it it really is. Um, It's like a new world for me a little bit and it's something I'm still getting used to. But um, I don't know. Here in Minnesota, everybody's just so nice. I I love it. Midwest is best. I always say it. (laughs) I'm from Indiana, so I claim it too. (laughs) Yes. Awesome. Um, So... Do you think you're always going to do grandma's? I was thinking about that because I know the turnaround from Boston to grandma's was so quick and then you're going to do a fall marathon too. So like, you know, it's not super traditional to do three marathons in a year for pros, but like, can you just not do grandma's? Yeah. So I've already been thinking ahead. And of course I've got, I have struck out at Boston twice. So that's definitely on my list of wanting to do next year. Um, But I have to go back to grandma's. So yeah, I would... I would say that that's probably going to be another quick turnaround that I'll do. It's really hard on my body, but, but it's like, I just can't not go up there. And even if I don't go up there and win next year, it's, it's worth it. Um, I feel like I have to try to defend my title. And then if I get my three peat, if I win three years in a row, I'll maybe chill out a little bit and go up for the half marathon instead. (laughs) Okay. But so what does that look like though? Because your focus in the spring is like Boston and then it's like, transitioning to grandma's like the bigger goal was Boston it was and so when I was kind of planning out this year to start I sat down with my coach and was just like hey I want to do Boston um it was a really unique opportunity to get to do the fall edition of Boston turn around do the spring edition and then um I was like but I still want to do grandma's and at first he was like no I don't like you know he's pretty conservative and I think he wants me to have a really long career also um So he kind of was hesitant against it immediately, but then I was just like, listen, if I have, you know, I want to build up for Boston, Boston was the A goal, but you know, if that means I have a pretty bad day at grandma's, that's fine. Mm -hmm. I just felt like I was called to go back up there after winning. Like you can't not go defend your title. Yeah, for sure. So you said you struck out at Boston twice though, you know, 14th place. Is it shabby? Tell us your feelings (laughs) on that. So I was 14th place, fourth American. And then the, year before was 13th place third American which are both great like from the outside yes both great races can't be upset with those like that aspect of it but in both cases I knew I could run way faster so I just didn't have like the day I wanted personally I think I could have raced smarter both times Boston the second go around I was running way outside of myself kind of early in that race just to try to see if that lead pack was gonna do what it normally does like where it ebbs and flows a little bit turns out they were uh just going hard they weren't gonna do that ebb and flow <laughs> race, that race uh tactic and I kind of burned myself up but uh so I've got to go back there and just hit that one out of the park it's on my checklist Yeah, it's so hard to race like that because you're like, you don't know what the group's going to do and you have to Mm -hmm. listen to your body, but also take risks and take chances. And as you marathon more, you'll probably figure that out more, right? Yeah, yeah. And I I was really lucky uh, maybe six weeks before Boston, I was able to go out there and do a course preview with uh, the elite coordinator, Mary-Kate Shea. And on the way out, she was like, hey, the best way, the American women do best when 
they hang on to that pack even when the surges get laid down early because typically those um, Kenyans and Ethiopians then will come back and relax. So I went into it knowing that that was my plan. Um, I was just going to say yes to all the moves and turns out it wasn't a lot of ebbing and flowing. And so I was really outside of myself and yeah, um, you have to make those decisions. But to me, I'd rather make that call and go with them and burn up than wonder if I should have made that move. Were you scared in the moment? Like when you knew they weren't coming back, like how were your feelings and how did you process that? Yeah. When I'm running a marathon, I focus on the mile ahead. I don't think, okay, I just ran a 520 mile at mile nine. Like what's that going to mean for me at mile 18? I just say like, okay, I'll just get to the next mile mark. Um, and I do check in of course and be like, okay, we can't keep running 520s. That's way outside of myself. But I try not to be nervous or get scared because you you also never know. Maybe maybe you don't blow up. And if you're thinking about if you're going to blow up, you're probably going to because you've got that. You're talking to yourself that way. How have you gotten to that place? Like, did you race like that even in your first marathon? Um, my first marathon was CIM in, it seems like so long ago, I believe 2018. Um, yeah, that sounds right. And I actually dropped out of that marathon, interestingly enough. So I did kind of kind of just like go swing for the fences. I wanted to get an A qualifier and just had some stomach issues, bonked a bit and uh, dropped out. But so I think that's kind of always been my marathon and racing strategy is I'd rather just kind of uh, swing for the fences and I guess uh, see what see what happens. (laughs) Were you nervous to start your second marathon after you dropped out of your first? Immediately, yes. When I was in the airport after CIM, I called my mom and I was like, I'm done. I'm embarrassed. Mm. I am ashamed. I was so I was publicly just bawling my eyes out in the airport. And she was like, No, like, you're not going to give up after one try. And I think she's the reason I was able to get on the starting line again. But she just really helped me like realize like no matter if I fail, if I come in first or last, my family loves me. My friends love me. My coach still believes in me. So I think that big fail has set me up for a really great career because now I know that when I'm on a starting line that there's a chance I'm going to fail. But worst case scenario, like I just run a bad race. I still have so many people in my corner and I still got a great life outside of running. It's so it can be challenging to like put big goals out there and stuff, knowing like that's on the line. Like what if I fail? But do you think the more success you have, the less you're scared to fail? And like also how grateful are you for those seasons of failure or that, you know, one race of failure? Yeah, I think um, those are great launching pads too. Cause I think I learned from CIM that I needed to do some other things differently. I needed to be more, um, aware of what I was taking in. Like, I couldn't just, you know, kind of wing what my <laughs> marathon feeling was. Like, I felt like there was so much learning that happened that, yeah, I um, I think that that's the best thing ever. And every time I step onto the starting line with these big goals that are scary, if I don't swing for the fences and something were to really crazy happen where I'm done as a professional runner, I would regret that. So even if I swing for the fences, fail, and something crazy happens and I never run again, that's how I know I'm going to be satisfied. Mm -hmm. Um, It would just be a shame if, and it kind of bothers me when people like go into a race and just say, Hey, I'm going to be really conservative and just have okay days. Cause I I think why not push, push the envelope. Okay. So who are people that you think of when you think of people that swing for it hard? 
Uh, you gotta talk about like Sarah Hall. That's who I was gonna say, Sarah Hall. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Sarah's great. I mean, she goes for it, and I love that. Um, I think that keeps our sport honest. I think mm-hmm. it makes it more exciting, and I love it. Yeah, so exciting. Um, you mentioned your mom. I know your mom passed away in 2020. She's, yeah, she sounds like she was just such an incredible mom. Yeah, she was. Um, she's the reason I got into running to begin with. And yeah, not having her here is tough. I it's a, like the biggest bummer that she didn't get to see the real end of like the the full circleness of me becoming an actual professional athlete. Because um, when she passed, I still was like not sponsored by Puma. Mm-hmm. I still. I mean, I qualified for the Olympic trials and ran there, which are great accomplishments, but I hadn't done the big things that I've done now. But I always say that she's got like a front row seat in heaven. So she's got she's got the best seat and she's up there cheering. Yeah. How does your faith carry you through that? I mean, I just losing a parent has to be one of the hardest things you ever walk through. Yeah, it it really is. Um, It's like such a weird thing, too, because some days they're fine and it's okay. And you think those thoughts of, oh, you know, I'm going to see her again someday. And some days it's like hits you like a wave. They always say great grief like is like a hits you like waves. Basically, some days it's fine. Some days it hits you hard. Um, But yeah, I mean, I have just a really strong faith in, in God and that I believe that she's in heaven and that I'll see her again up there someday. So I think that carries me through and just um you know, it makes me look forward to that for sure. Did your faith come from her? Like, was she part of, of that piece of your life? Yeah. Um, kind of, and kind of not, it was something I think that everybody has to find on their own. Like I, I think a lot of the times if you're like forced into something that almost like pulls you away from it. So I feel like she gave me room and space to find what I, I thought was right. And, um, she also like had the same type of faith and so it worked really well i was never like for she never forced me into anything um but as adults together we kind of found our faith um and honestly she was my best friend so we i think we just had like the greatest relationship ever and we got to do some of those really meaningful things together as adults so tell everybody about finishing grandma's like the first time the second time and (laughs) you know the picture of you hugging your grandpa is like I get emotional even just looking at it. Yeah. So the first time I finished grandma's was my first marathon after CIM when I was going to give up. And my mom was like, no, you're going to get on a starting line again. So I start grandma's in 2019 and I finish. And my mom had been sick for most of my life. Um, She had some autoimmune diseases that really made her days really unpredictable. Hmm. So I wasn't positive if she was going to be there or not. She was always there when she could be but it if it was a bad day it was a bad day um so i finished i had gotten an a qualifier ran better than i expected and i look over to my left and my mom was standing there and i can still hear myself saying you made it like in tears and i have a picture with her um it's a very close one so it's not as great as the one with my grandpa but um i was so happy and then of course 2020 happened there was no grandma's marathon came back in 2021 and the same thing, ran a really great race, was really happy with it, won, which was nice, um, but looked over to my left and my dad was standing in the same exact spot um, and he hugged me so hard that he actually was choking me. I literally <laughs> I, like, literally couldn't breathe. I was like tapping out, I'm, like, you've got to let go. <laughs> 
Um, and then this year, this was really great. My mom's dad, my grandpa, has never watched me race. He has a hard time getting around, um, but he was able to make it up to the marathon this year and was standing in that same spot. My mom and my dad stood in the years prior and uh, he's a really, he grew up on a farm. He's a big, strong man, but that picture would tell you otherwise. He was um, just in tears. And I actually have the finish line video saved on my web browser because I probably watch it every day, me walking over to hug him and uh. him just developing me because it's, oh, I'm a big crier. So that one gets me about every day. <laughs> me too. I'd like, Am I going to cry this whole interview or are my eyes, can you tell, are my eyes teary this whole interview? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so special. Does your grandpa, does he like understand the, like the bigness of what you're doing right now in the running world? It's, it's funny because I, I think, I think whatever I'm doing, they think is probably even bigger. Mm -hmm. I feel like, mm -hmm. um, even when I started running, you know, post-collegiately, like kind of semi-professionally, they were like, she's going to make the Olympics back when I was just trying to get an A qualifier for the Olympic trials, you know? So I think that they've always just assumed that whatever I'm doing, I'm at the top of my game. And I guess I'm not sure if they fully understand like the scope, but I think for whatever reason, they've got even a bigger idea of what I'm doing. There's something about our parents and our grandparents that have this like for most people, I think like this extraordinary belief in their kids, mm -hmm. you know, I remember I was like singing the other day and I'm the worst singer. And my dad was like, that is good. And I was like, dad, do you, are you, do you have ears? Like, do you know what you're talking about? It's just like, it's like our parents are like not blind to our imperfections, but they just, yeah. they just see us and love us so well that, yeah. you know, the sky's the limit. I feel like they love our imperfections even more, but yeah, yeah. If anybody believes in me the most on this planet, it's my, my dad and my grandparents for sure. Um, so, you know, you said when you first started running professionally, they were like, she's going to make an Olympic team. Well, yeah. like now this is actually a reality that you could make a, an Olympic team. Like at that point you probably thought I'm, you know, I'm here now, like I'm yes. sub elite going to elite, you know, but now you're really here. So how do you feel about that? I still get chill. Like I just got chills again, um, all over again, because there was definitely a point, of course, like I always had those big dreams of, I want to be sponsored. I want to make an Olympic team. But when I was running a two thirty four marathon, I'm very you know, well aware that that mm. isn't really what it takes to get those things. So it's incredible. It's like almost undescribable that I still haven't like really put myself in that box. When I look at the names of who's I'm amongst in like the all time list for American women. It's still kind of like mind bending to think like, Oh, that's me. Even though like there was a time when I didn't even know what professional running was, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's a big jump for sure, but it's nothing is better than seeing your dreams come true. <laughs> Do you know, and I should know this. So don't people don't come at me for not knowing this, but what does this put you on the all time list? Do you know? Um, I'm, I was 12 when I, Oh, let me think about it now. Was I, I think I was 12th when I finished, but I'm 13th now because Lindsay Flanagan ran a oh. phenomenal race in Australia. Oh, man, did she? But And she's a good example of someone who is just like persevered, persevered. Like this is a long time coming for her, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I feel like her and I kind of had a similar um, experience of felt like I kept racing and thinking, oh, I deserve better. Like I know I can run better, run better, run better. And then finally we got it. 
I'm, I've got to reach out to her because I'm sure she's super excited about that. You should. Yeah. She's, she's so sweet. Um, but you know, you mentioned the 234 and I, I, it, interviewed Gabby Rooker which we talked about this right before we started recording who just ran a 234 and even in that interview I mentioned Kira when she had ran a 234 and like it's like I see what you mean like being not sub 230 you almost feel like you're not in that category but I just think we keep seeing it happen time and time again and now you're one of those stories where it's like that doesn't mean that you won't break through it doesn't mean you won't break through just because your debut isn't a 228 doesn't mean that you can't get down there. I think the marathon's the most forgiving um, mm. event in that case of every time you do it, you learn something new, you learn something that you can do better and you practice it. And there's a lot of room for improvement. Yeah. And there's just like not, I mean, you see the traditional way, like you see, okay, she's 5k, she's 10k, she's on the track. She does that for a few years and then she bumps up and debuts in 225 or whatever. But like, it doesn't have to look like that. Right. Yeah. I didn't uh, spend any time on the track after college. Rightfully so. I'm not really, uh, that's just not where my wheelhouse is. I think I could train all day long and that would never be what I'm super successful at. But I like that we are getting kind of more of a shift of women who want to just jump right into the marathon. Cause I think that's where we're going to see a lot more success as Americans. Hey friends, a quick break here to thank Gooder for supporting this episode of the podcast. If you are looking for some amazing sunglasses that don't slip around, stay right in place when you're on the run, on the go, look no further than Gooder. They are my favorites. They're also very affordable, cute, functional, fashionable. They've got really loud, fun styles, and they also have really simple styles as well. I love the aviators. Go to gooder.com slash another. Use the code another one five for 15% off your order. All right, back to the show. When did you know you wanted to run a marathon and like run it well? So when I graduated college, my college coach sat me down and was like, hey, do you have any like inspirations post-collegiately and I was like yeah I want to do like local 5ks and 10ks you know like half marathons whatever um I didn't see myself in that box and I honestly didn't really know about the like sub elite community Uh of running um I mean obviously I knew Sarah Hall and Des Linden and Kara Goucher but it was I mean I'm realistic I know I'm not one of them (laughs) um so he was like you know I really do think you could qualify for the Olympic trials and the marathon And I think the next day I sat down in his office with a notepad and paper and I said, okay, tell me everything I need to know about this like sub elite running basically. Um, And he hooked me up with my coach, my current coach, Chris Lundstrom with Minnesota Distance Elite. Um, So really, I mean, I didn't, I didn't ever have inspirations of this until, until he believed in me. So do you still keep in touch with your college coach? Oh my goodness. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, Honestly, I say it all the time. He is the reason I'm here. If he would have been more like um, passe about it and been like, you know, I think that's a possibility or it just didn't bring it up at all. I would be a teacher in a school in South Dakota. Um, But just the way he sat me down and was very serious about like, this is something I do think you'd be successful at. That meant a lot to me. I mean, I don't think he thought I would be a 225.01 marathoner, but he, he thought I could do well, just maybe not quite this level. What did he, did he reach out to you after the 225? Oh yeah. He reaches out to me after every oh, race. Um, what did he, he say? 
he was super, super pumped. Um, we still talk a couple times a year, so he's he's always following me and is always really excited. Um, he's one of my biggest fans for sure. It's just that's one of those things where when we hear stories like this, we just have to remember to be that person to someone else. Like, thank God he did that for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think about that all the time, because if he hadn't, I I would have still been happy being a high school biology teacher. But I'm literally living my dream. Like, mm. I don't think there's anything I could do on this planet that would make me happier than what I am. And you always look so happy. Yeah. <laughs> I do. And that's, you know, really because I, I love it. Um, there's, you know, some mental tricks in there, too. Sometimes yeah. I smile when it's hurting really bad because I do believe that that helps you run faster. And I love to smile, especially at, like, the volunteers and, like, kind of give them a thumbs up because, if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't have a race. And when there's spectators out there in the middle of nowhere, I like try to give them the thumbs up too. Cause if it's, if it's not for the spectators and all these people who come together to support the marathon, we, I wouldn't have a job. So. Oh, so good. How do you, so you think you play mind tricks thinking, and I I've done this before too. Like I smile when it hurts also sometimes because it, it makes me feel better. And I'm like in the moment, if you can get this like sense of gratitude, like, oh my gosh, like look what my body is doing right now. This is so freaking cool. But like, what if you like can't muster up the energy? Do you ever, ever have moments where you just like have that like angry face? Um, so I actually rewatched grandma's marathon and about the last mile was, I don't want to say angry, but <laughs> I was just in, I wasn't in pain. It was the weirdest sensation like of, I couldn't feel my legs mm. and every step I was like, I don't know if I'm going to stay on my feet. So I feel like I had almost a fear face on because I was, <laughs> I was just all out. I was at my end of my fitness at that point. And <laughs> uh, it was, I was trying to smile, but it really didn't look like much of a smile at that point. But yeah, it's, I definitely use that as a mind trick when I can. What a great way to finish a marathon though. Like the last mile, if it's not painful, you obviously haven't run hard enough, but yeah. like, what a great way to finish knowing, like I, I have put it all out here. Like I am at my limit but I only have a mile to go yeah right yeah it's not a bad place to be blowing up I, and I blew up pretty pretty hard but yeah it was I was definitely worried about Sarah coming at me or whoever was in second I had no idea who was back behind me but I knew I was falling apart and if they were close and strong they would have they could have caught me but if the race had been maybe another mile I think Sarah would have caught me well you trained for 26.2 not 27.2 yeah yeah <laughs> Um, I talked to Sarah about that picture. That's so great of you guys all smiling. And I'm like, you guys look like you're having so much fun and you're running so fast. And she said, she thought you, that might've been at a point where you said you made a bet with some teammates that you wouldn't run, you would run like just over a certain pace or something like that. And you like hit what you had bet on. Yeah. On the Bus ride out, uh, my teammate Tyler German, who him and I kind of have a like a back and forth of him just kind of giving me a hard time for going out too hard in races. Um, I don't know how we got talking about like what paces we are going for. And I think he said, I bet you a drink after that you'll go out faster than 525. I was like, all right, you're on. So we went out and there was times in that first mile I was checking like all the time. <laughs> um, and we were a little bit under. So I kept kind of pulling back and pulling back. And I think I ran like a 526. So <laughs> oh, right there, right there. But I was right, so, which is all that matters. <laughs> um, 
tell me how like different you are before this race compared to Boston. Like, do you just feel a little bit more casual because it's not so much the world stage? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's going to set me up to perform better at grandma's all the time because I get, I've got to figure out how to not be that kind of nervous at Boston, but you're taking that bus ride out to Hopkinton and you're um, sitting in the church and it's so scary. I don't know why it's like so intimidating sitting amongst gold medalists and Olympians and yeah. So at grandma's, it's just kind of like, Oh, this is my hometown. It feels like my hometown. It's like super chill. We're talking on the bus. I know a lot, a lot of people. So it will always be a little bit more chill, but I've got to figure out how to channel that for the world majors because that's how I'm going to run the best. Yeah. And it's, you're putting practice in, I mean, with your two Bostons that you've done, like you're putting the practice in. Yeah, definitely. Um, you mentioned, uh, that first marathon, like I can't just wing my fuel and, you know, just like hope for the best. How do you have that down now? What do you, what fuel do you use? I use tailwind. Um, my first, for CIM, I was using um, Honey Stinger Goose, and I think I practiced a couple of times in, like, a long run, but it's just never really quite the same, and I don't know that, like, I didn't even, like, really do the math of, like, when do I need to take this, and, like, how much do I need? I was just kind of like, oh, it'll be fine, um, but now I'm pretty specific about every 5K. I'm taking in, like, a scoop of my tailwind. Um and so, and now I don't falter from that. I use the same flavor. I use tailwind every time, the same amount of water. So I've kind of got it down to a science for myself. Um, tell us about Puma and, you know, signing with them and what that's like running for them. It's super amazing. I love that they're really investing in um, American women, it seems right, like right now. So they also signed Annie Frisbee, my teammate and really, really good friend. And then Sarah Vaughn at the same time. So I was sitting at my desk. I was working from home at that time um, as a housing coordinator was my position. And I got an email from my agent, Howie, and it said Puma Offer was like the title. Oh, what a great email title. Yes. And I freaked out. I think I started crying. I didn't even open the email. They could have been offering me $5. (laughs) And I would have been just ecstatic about it. So um, I called my dad crying before I even opened the email. I was like, Dad, I got an offer from Puma. He's like, well, tell me about it. I'm like, I don't know anything. (laughs) Uh, So I opened it up and I got to share that moment with him, which was pretty cool. Um, But so that was, it's been amazing working with them. They've got great shoes. Um, I've kind of went back and forth between the Fast Stars and the Deviate Elites, um, which are what Molly ran her bronze medal in. And I am happy with both, which is a great problem to have of being like, oh, which shoe is better for me? Because <laughs> they're both great. But uh, the people at Puma are really awesome. And they seem to care about like me as a person over like my times or my places. So I've uh, really enjoyed working with them. That's awesome. And they have really cute apparel too. They have such cute, like their running clothes are amazing also, but they've got really cute lifestyle uh-huh. clothes. It's like the best of both worlds when we get a shipment. I'm like, what am I going to like be more excited about? The going out clothes or the running clothes? Yeah, so good. Um, so you grew up playing hockey. Yeah. Have you always had a com- competitive edge to you? Oh, absolutely. I was an only child. Um, so growing up playing like board games or doing anything with my parents, I would say they were both very competitive also. So they never just let me, I was like a seven-year-old and they were not just letting me win, sorry, or life. (laughs) Um, 
So they kind of like instilled a very competitive edge in me for sure. Um, and I, even before hockey, played several other sports because I, I like, I just had to be moving and I had to be trying to win something. What's so special about running? It's funny. I, somebody just asked me when I started to fall in love with running. Cause I played hockey in the, started in the second grade. And then in my freshman year of high school, like transitioned and started running also. And I don't know what it was necessarily. There was never like this one day that I was like, I love running more than hockey. But I think it's just a culmination of the fact that when you work hard when you're running, you see results and you're in control of your results. And also you get to go out the door and like run with your best friends or your teammates and kind of have like a social hour, <laughs> um, which I, I mean, I just love that. And I think I've made like my best friends in life through running because you have all this time where you just are commiserating about how long this long run is or how hard this workout is. So I think it's just a bunch of things. And I think it gives you like an hour out of your day or however long to just kind of be at peace and kind of work through the issues that you've got in your life. And it just gives you kind of some time to meditate. Yeah. It's almost always worth it. Like it's almost, you know, unless you're trying to like run through an injury, like that run is almost always going to make you feel better. Yeah, absolutely. And I always, um, I take this from my other teammate, Katie German, but there are going to be going to be the days where you're like, Oh, I don't want to go out the door for this run. Like, Oh, this is going to be so horrible. But, uh, if you go out and you run for like 10 minutes, you can have, like, I tell myself, I can go out for 10 minutes. And if after 10 minutes, I still feel this way, I'll turn around, but nobody ever turns around after those 10 minutes. Cause you're like, Oh, this is amazing. This is exactly what I needed. Even if it didn't feel like it. Katie Germain, you know, I had her on the podcast years ago. How's she doing? She's good. Uh, she's dealing with a little kind of injury. That's not, I shouldn't say little, a big um, injury that's kind of being resolved. So hopefully we'll see her back on the road soon. Yeah. Um, tell us about the program though. Like Minnesota, is it Minnesota distance elite? Is that how it's, what it's called? Yes. Minnesota distance elite. We're, um, I think we have 10 athletes currently coached by Chris Lundstrom. We meet three times a week, which I love because we uh, really prioritize having jobs outside of running because there's going to be a day where we're not runners anymore and we have to have a backup plan, unfortunately. Um, And we've got a really great dynamic. Of course, a lot of people know about Annie Frisbee. She had a really great run at New York. Um, Her and I trained together quite a bit. And we just, I don't know, we've got this really fun, fun dynamic. So we're always looking to grow our team. So if anybody's out there listening, (laughs) this is your invitation to come visit. I love that you just said that. See, we talked about this before the podcast too. I love that like someone who is like blossoming and coming out of college and thinking they want to join a group will hear that and think, oh, maybe there's, you know, room for me. Yeah. And when I was out coming out of college, I was, I'm not going to like downplay my successes, but I wasn't the greatest division two athlete. I was not the person who you would expect to see on a professional running team. So if you're out there and you're kind of like on that edge, like bet on yourself, reach out to somebody and see if they'll, you know, take you on. Um, I think that's really important because if you didn't have people like me or Kira D'Amato who, you know, are kind of right on that edge, you would never have an American record holder. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like someone who's on the edge, who just thinks, oh, I'm, you know, this is where I'm going to be. Like that self-belief is so important. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to bet on yourself. And if you're willing to work hard, you can really make it a long way. 
Hey friends, a quick break here to thank Prevenex for supporting this episode of the podcast. If you are looking for an amazing protein powder and also a great joint health supplement, you're not going to find any better than Prevenex. I love that Prevenex has tons of vitamins and minerals in their protein powder. It's vegan, made with clean, effective ingredients, and it tastes really good too. My kids love it. We make smoothies all the time. I sprinkle it on their bananas, and I will always be making a smoothie after a long run using the Prevenex protein powder. If you have achy joints at all, their Joint Health Plus is an amazing supplement that I highly recommend. I've had so many people rave about this. They were skeptical, they took it, and they're so glad they did. And they have a money-back guarantee if you are not happy. Go to Prevenex.com, use the code ANOTHER or Lindsay15, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y-1-5, and that will save you 15% off your first order with Prevenex. All right, friends, back to the show. Where along the lines in your career did you um, ha- get an agent, though, to help you with, like, you know, the Puma deal and what, you yeah. know, seek out deals? Um, after the Marathon Project in 2020, I ran 2.30 mid there, I believe. Um, and I was just kind of like, I, I knew I wanted to run Boston, and it's just easier to get into those bigger races with an agent. And I also knew, like, I started to see the progression of I went, like, 2.34, 232, 230. Um, I was like, this is going to keep going. This is not my top end and Mm -hmm. I'm going to need an agent. And I just wanted, and I really just think that when you have more people in your corner, you're just going to continue to be more successful. So I reached out to Howie, my coach, Chris Lundstrom, uh, recommended him as the best and he is. And I was just like, Hey, Howie, like, this is like, I know that I'm not, you know, I know I'm not like really in the the market for like a shoe deal, but I do need a little help getting into races. And I think that this will pay off in the long run. Um, I'll work really hard. And yeah, so it's just one of those scenarios where you got to bet on yourself. And even though I wasn't really quote unquote ready, I knew that someday I would be. So I wanted to to be prepared. Okay. So here you are now just ran the 225, one grandma's for the second time. Um, this is 2022 marathon project was December, right? Was it December 2020? Yeah. Like you're it's, it's, it hasn't been that long. You know what I mean? (laughs) If you really think about it, it hasn't been that long. So like, how do you view yourself then versus now? Yeah. I mean, even back when I ran the 230, I think I've just always had this really strong belief in myself after that two, after the two or 34 at grandma's taking fourth, I think I, it's scary and it's like really um, intimidating to dream big, but I was, I've just always been somebody, if I'm going to put my mind to it, if I'm going to believe it, I'm going to do it. So even at that two thirty, I felt when I was at that two thirty, I kind of felt like I'm, I'm still going to do this. I'm going to make this my dream and I'm going to do everything I can to basically accomplish it. And you have to do those things like have an agent you have to, you know, so I was going to play it out as if I, I was going to accomplish my dreams. I love that. What are you, what are you most excited about right now? Oh man, I think I'm, I mean, we just did some switching for our fall marathon plans. And oh, really? I know you can't say anything, I but can't like say anything, but some big changes just happened um, on our end. So I am, I'm really excited about the fall marathon plans. Um, did those big, I know you can't say much at all, but in 
just don't answer if, if you can't. But did those changes happen because of what you ran in grandma's at grandma's? Yes, partially. Okay. All right. I won't dig any further. <laughs> That's so exciting, though. It's, you know, it's like exciting that you're at a point in your career where you're like, okay, well, this happened. So, like, this is going to be a better puzzle piece for the fall. Not that you couldn't orchestrate before, but the orchestrating is a little bit different now. Yeah, it is. It's it's fun to have a little bit more of the control where before it was kind of like, whoever will take me is where <laughs> I'll go. Um, but now I feel like I have a little bit more say. And I get to do the things that make me excited, which is where I'm going to race fast anyway. Do you have aspirations long term to run all the majors? Oh, absolutely. Um, I'd love to run anywhere that like is um, overseas for sure and they'll take me kind of thing. Like, I think this is a really great opportunity to travel the world while like doing my job, quote unquote. So how are you going to mentally prepare for this world stage thing that we were talking about earlier? Like getting over those, like maybe it's imposter syndrome and maybe it's just like, I don't know what it is, but like, how are you going to get yourself in the mode that you were in at grandma's on the world stage? Yeah, I think already I'm going to be better off because I, I know that I belong. Where before when it's not that I didn't belong, and I, I did, but it's a little bit uh, harder to believe that when you haven't done the same things that the other women have done. Um, but I know that I belong now. So I think that's going to just really increase my confidence. And I've just got to just kind of keep my cool around the people that I've looked up to for so long, I think, because it's like when I'm sitting next to Des Linden on the bus going up to Boston or, you know, whoever that I have looked up to throughout my career that I'm like, oh, I, this, this can't be me. I don't belong amongst these women, but I, I do. Um, and I think having that time will really solidify that in my brain. That's so good. Well, and Des Linden of all people to sit next to has to be the most chill person to talk to before a marathon, I would assume. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't sit on the bus next to her, but I saw her like in the church. And I was like, oh. <laughs> like my favorite runner ever, which I feel like I bring up on every podcast. So by this time she's heard and she knows I'm a fangirl. So. Oh my goodness. That's so good. Um, okay. Well, let's wrap up here with some end of podcast questions. It's been so fun getting to know you a little bit more and I'm so excited to follow your career. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun being on. What is something professionally or personally you'd like to do that you haven't done yet? This was a um, this is a hard one for me because I feel like there's so much that I, I haven't done, but um, I'd really like to do like an ultra, like a hundred mile race. That will be at the end of my career or like at when I'm done being competitive, I guess. But that is definitely on the to do list. I heard you say on Carrie's podcast, though, that you do think you would really excel in the ultra distances. I do. I think I'm um, just generally better at the longest things that you can do. Um, I can like I can hang with the boys during long runs like that's never been an issue for me. So I think I would be successful, but I'm just really attached to the marathon. I'm really in love with it. Um, and I just yeah, it's a little hard to fathom running, for, you know, for 24 hours and not getting to sleep and things like that. But someday revisit it in 10 years. You'll still be in your 30s. You got plenty of time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Do you follow like Western states and all those big ultras? Um, I really follow Courtney DeWalters um, because she's from Minnesota um, and she's insane. So I'd yeah. say anything that she's doing, I'm like aware of basically. Talk about a chill person. 
no kidding, right? Um, she just seems amazing. Uh, and definitely someday I'd like to be amongst her. Amazing and someone who really knows how to just like suffer. Yeah, absolutely. That's like a whole new level too, for sure. Uh, what is the best, most recent book you've read? The best, most recent book is How We Sleep or Why We Sleep, excuse me. Oh. Um, it's kind of just addressing the basically epidemic of lack of sleep that we get as humans. Um, I thought it was really, really interesting and definitely makes you prioritize the sleep that you're missing out on. And what does your sleep game look like? It's usually pretty good. Um, I'm typically getting like nine hours of sleep and, you know, I'm kind of like wrapping up my day by eight and getting up around six kind of thing. Um, but I think there's just this um, idea of obviously there are some days I don't get that amount of sleep and it's like, oh, I'll just make it up the next day. And that is actually impossible. That's not how sleep works. So it's just uh, I think it was a good eye opener for me to be like, oh, every night has to be a good night, not just six of, out of the seven nights a week. And are you I know you had mentioned you were on a call doing the coordinator for the housing. I know you, you were like helping people find housing that were low income or yeah. no income, right? Yes, that's what I was doing pre Puma. Okay. So are you doing anything part time right now? Yeah. So um, after I got signed with Puma, from then until basically two weeks ago, I was full professional runner. I was coaching on the side, um, which is great. And that's still something I do. But I actually just a couple weeks ago picked up a job as a paralegal. Um, okay. So I'm working at a patent agency. I'm a paralegal, just kind of sitting behind a desk all day. But it's good hours. And um, the people who are in charge there actually support our team in various ways. So oh, it's, cool. it's kind of a good relationship. What are your hours? Uh, right now, they're like 9 to 3, 10 to 3. Um, just It's more like a get your work done situation. How so. many days a week? All five. Really? Well, no, yeah, five days out of the work week. Okay, I'm so curious about this. Yeah, yeah, I talk to so many professional athletes who like either, you know, they don't do any time part-time work, they're all in on running, or and so many people that are like, I need the part-time work, so many people that don't. And yeah. so I'm curious, coming off this grandma's thing, like, you know, having this epic jump. Yeah. Why you decided to, I guess you took the job before grandma's, but go on. Yeah. Um, I actually, it was more of a mental thing for me. I am fine with a, a part-time job or a job, but there is a little bit of that, like, oh, I, if I win, I win this amount of money. Or if I place in the top, whatever, I win this amount of money. And I heard Kira D'Amato actually talk about how she's still a realtor and so when she goes to a race, she never has to be like, I need to place this so that my family can pay rent or put food on the table. And I just really like it kind of opened my eyes to that anxiety that I sometimes would have of like, oh, if I do this, then I can take this trip. Or if mm -hmm. I do this, I can get this thing that I want. And I don't want any of my um, success to be riding on the fact that I feel like I need to be successful for the money. Um, and to be honest, at the end of a marathon or any race, I'm never like, oh, there's a girl in front of me. That's another $1,000 <laughs> or whatever. Like, that's just like not my mindset. So I think it's nice to just like pull that pressure off of running in that way. And I think the happier I am as a human, like the happier, the better I'm going to be running. So, and to be honest, when I'm not like in the full on marathon training, I kind of go stir crazy. I can't yeah. just sit on my own. I cannot 
be on my couch all day long. Um, there's going to be like two to three weeks during marathon training that it will be kind of tough for me to grind through working and running. But other than that, I'm kind of a ball of energy and I need to have something to do. Totally. Yeah. Um, that's exciting though. And like interaction, like human interaction outside of your training partners. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I feel like I'm probably like was probably annoying to all my like close friends and my training partners during that time. Cause it was like, Anytime I had an opportunity to talk to somebody, it was like I was chatting their ears off. So. I feel you. I swear yesterday, all day, I was waiting to just be unleashed. We had a swim meet. My kids had a swim meet at like six and I was home all day by myself or with my kids. And I was like, I just feel like an unleashed animal at this swim meet talking to all these other parents because I just you needed it. On that. Yeah. yeah. And I sometimes wonder if people think I like, you know, Took some drugs right before the swim meet because I'm just so fired up to talk to people. Yeah. People understand if they've been cooped up all day, though, I feel like. Totally. Um, who is someone fun, motivating, or inspiring you would like to have coffee, tea, or cocktail with? Uh, I think I've brought her up all the time. So Des. Oh, Des. <laughs> I just, yeah. I just really like her uh, persona, I guess. And I think that she's done her career correctly. So any chance I can to talk to her to who I who I'd want to talk to but like now you're in a place where like that can happen I know she like commented on an Instagram post once and I kind of was like oh my god <laughs> is that weird though because like you saying that like five years ago is like different than you saying that now because now she's kind of like on peer level with you I know it is kind of weird I guess I'm gonna have to come up with like a different person because I, I feel like I get asked that question occasionally on podcasts and yeah. that's always my answer uh so I feel like I almost have to come up with a different answer now well and if she listens to any of the podcasts she's just going to call you up one day and be like hey let's yeah. go get some coffee yeah we're besties now <laughs> <laughs> um do, are you into music Des is really into music uh I would say I'm not in the same level that she is I do listen to a lot of music but mine's not I think hers is more niche music than me who is more into Taylor Swift and uh, love Taylor Swift. <laughs> and Sharon, you know, typical. Yep. 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 Um, the other day we had Taylor Swift on and my five-year-old knew it was Taylor Swift and I was very proud. Oh my gosh. Best moment ever. I was like, <laughs> you, you parented correctly. I was like, do you know who this is? And he said, yeah, Taylor Swift. I'm like, okay, my work here is yeah. done. Yes. <laughs> what is your last message to leave with our audience today? I think the most important message to leave is to bet on yourself. You never know what's going to happen. Um, you have to be the first person to believe in yourself. So good. Thank you, Dakota. Of course. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you, Dakota, for coming on the show. I just loved getting to know you so very much. You all should go follow Dakota and get ready to cheer her on this fall. She is Dakota Lindworm. That's W-U-R-M on Instagram. You can also find me. I'm lindsayhine626 on Instagram, at lindsayhine on Twitter. And I would love if you would join our Facebook group. It's all have another podcast with Lindsay Hine. We have great discussions over there. Thanks for being here. I hope you've enjoyed this Grandma's Marathon series. We also have one more Grandma's interview coming out with Gabby Rooker, who took her marathon time from a 2.54 to a 2.34 in one year. You're going to hear all about it in this podcast. Leave us a rating and review if you enjoy the show, and you'll be entered to win a pair of Gooder sunglasses. Thanks for being here, and we will see you soon.